Hello and welcome to Under a Rock with Brielle and Gerlin. Today we are continuing our talk about Avatar The Last Airbender, book three. Today we're talking about episodes four to six. Yep. So yeah, let's um get right into it. We got some really good episodes. Yes, we did. I mean, I know that I, I, I tend to say that about every episode where I'm like, oh, this is such a good episode. But really, they're all good episodes. They are. Like, it's just a good show. Yeah, exactly. Do. So, um, yeah, episode four, Sokka's Master. Yep. All right, so let's get into it. So we started off with a meteor shower. Yeah. Shooting stars. I feel a little bad that Toph can't really see it. Yeah, she's just like, you know, you see nothing once, you see nothing a thousand times. Yeah. Like, oh, Toph. But she kind of gets a sense of it when the meteorite crashes. Yeah. Because she definitely, like, freaks out. Um, but yeah, the meteorite crashes and... Because it's so large, it causes like a little mini fire. So Ang, Katar, and Toph use their bending to basically save the people in the village that's below it. And Sokka's like, I'll just stand here, I guess. I'll watch Momo. <laughs> Poor Sokka. I mean, they obviously, they cherish him as a teammate. But, you know, for his own self-esteem, he's just kind of just like, well, I can't do shit. I'm just going to yeah, stand here. <laughs> Something that I thought of was when Katara was on Appa's back, like water bending. I thought of that uh, bison's water bending. Uh, <laughs> no, you idiot! It's honestly the girl. Um, yeah, but what's what's really interesting about this episode is we start to see Sokka's insecurities really build up because you have to imagine that they've been building up for a while. Yeah, that you know this isn't a new thought that he's had. He's you know. He's mentioned it before that he feels a little, um, you know, useless sometimes in the face of everybody's bending. But this, I think, is the episode where it really comes to a head. And the, th- the thing that I really love is I love that none of them see Sokka that way. Right. None of them believe in his insecurities. All of them respect him and love him and care about him and view him as an equal member of the team right you know which is so fantastic because i feel like in other shows or movies whenever a character has a complex like this the other characters add to it maybe unintentionally but they add to it by saying things like oh well i guess you could help i mean you can't do this but you could help you know but i feel like none of the gang really says that maybe toff did at the beginning a little bit but You know, all of them are so kind of surprised that Sokka feels this way because in their eyes, he's amazing. Right. You know, he he can read the maps and he always makes them laugh and he keeps them, you know, going forward and everything, you know. Keeps them on a nice tight schedule. Yeah. So I really appreciate that, that the show didn't make the the other characters treat him differently. Mm -hmm. They've always respected and loved him. And I love that. And Katara just knows the right thing to cheer her big brother up. I know. Retail therapy. <laughs> a man after my own heart. <laughs> um, yeah, so they basically go to a weapons uh, store and Sokka's like trying all these different things and he can't find something he likes. Mm-hmm. And Aang gets in that huge get up. I just love it because it's just like, that's what. A majority of anime is yeah yeah big armor all glowy and shiny and i just love how when ang falls over he's just like i'll just stick to what i got yeah. like <laughs> st- stick stick to 
the anime inspired stuff. You don't have to be full on anime. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Iroh is in prison mm-hmm. and he's playing the oldest game in the book and a game that I employ a lot, um, it, which is play dumb, mm. play dumb until you need something until you've got everything you, you need. Um, you know, he pretends to be this kind of like senile, disgusting old man so that the guards kind of like look oh, down from him and they don't concern themselves with him, right. which is so smart. <laughs> um, what annoyed me is that that guard always has something to say. Like, yeah. You can just keep your mouth shut. Just yeah. Once. Just he was the food. like really mean for no reason. Yeah. Maybe he was like, I don't know, maybe he was like one of Iroh's old soldiers and Iroh was like mean to him or something. <laughs> or maybe he looked up to Iroh. And oh, like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Um, but Sokka sees a sword and he's like, oh, this is an amazing sword. And the guy in the store is like, oh, that's a Piandao sword. He makes them and he also teaches people to be swordsmen. And Aang is like, oh, that's what you need. You need like your own like master to teach you. So Sokka goes there and he is so humble mm-hmm. and so ready to learn and just growth, the growth that that shows, because at the very beginning of the show, I don't think Sokka would have been humble like that. Right. He would have come in just like Piandao thinks, saying, I'm the best swordsman in my village. I'm ready to learn and you're going to teach me. But instead, throughout all of his journeys, Sokka has seen so much and learned so much. And what he's learned is that there's so much that he doesn't know and he's so ready to learn. And, oh, I love that. It's, it shows such a uh, growth of, of character it, from, from a, not conceited, but from a overconfident little kid to a strong and capable young man, mm-hmm. you know? And it's even hinted at the beginning as they're watching the shooting stars. Sokka's the one that says, Looking at this kind of reminds you of how little and insignificant mm. we really are, like in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I just, it's really, it's really amazing to kind of see how he's changed throughout the series, yeah. you know? He's only gotten better. I mean, I I feel like they all have. Right. You know? Um, But he goes, and the gang literally falls apart without him. They just, <laughs> they just lounge around doing nothing because they don't know what to do. Katara tries to crack a joke, doesn't yeah. land. <laughs> I love Aang Aang, man. Just like, I guess comedy doesn't run in the family. Like, damn, bro. What a roast. He's like, I'm second guessing my decision to have a crush on Katara. <laughs> Katara just went from a 10 to an 8. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's trying. Mm-hmm. Um, And so Sokka is training and... Piandao is basically having him do all these different tasks. He has to write his name. And so Sokka is like, it has to be a, like a representation of me, huh? And he just like face plants onto the paper and like rubs it all around. He's like, it's me. I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> he's <right>? not wrong. <laughs> and then he has to move the rocks in a rock garden. And he ends up making like a chair to like lounge around in. And... My favorite one is when they go to the waterfall area and he's like, you have to draw this after only seeing it for a few seconds. Go. And Sokka draws it. He is not an artist. No. But he adds a rainbow. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so cute and adorable. And like, I think that speaks to his friendship with Aang. Because do you think Sokka would have drawn a rainbow before he met Aang? No. 
No. No, you wouldn't. But I feel like Aang kind of, you know, taught him to embrace his, like, silly, hopeful, childlike side. And, you know, sometimes you just want to draw a rainbow because it makes it better. And, like, you know, I just love that. That that speaks a lot, the point that you brought up. Because imagine if Aang never entered Sokka or Katara's lives. Mm -hmm. Being that, because I know so many people who... They, they they say that they had to grow up fast because of the circumstances that they were living in. Yeah. Sokka essentially had to do the same thing. Yep. Being that all the men in the tribe went off to um, participate in a war mm-hmm. to fight against the Fire Nation. Sokka had to stand up and be the man, had to be the leader. Yep. That that could have that carried some trauma. Oh, definitely. And, and to your point, Aang coming into his life really helped him, like you said, embrace his inner child to hey you could slow down you don't have yeah. to grow up so fast like everything is chill because he saw Aang in the beginning as just some weird goofy little kid but as they traveled and they grew together and he sees that Aang is is a goofy little kid but he's also the most powerful person on the planet yeah and he's capable of a lot even though he's a goofy little kid yeah so if he could be goofy but still get shit done so can i yeah you know yeah, I feel like Aang brought a lot of levity yes. to Sokka. Because um, I think without Aang, um, he would have just unfortunately been this really like serious kind of dour person. And that's not necessarily his fault. But I feel like Aang, especially with his like friends, he really touches them in a lot of wonderful ways and helps them grow as people. And and help them kind of escape the the darkness that threatens to kind of consume them with the war going on. Right. You know? Like everybody that Aang talks to, he helps. Mm-hmm. You know? And I love that. Um, something else that I want to also bring up is in the scene where Sokka is like supposed to write his name, uh the the height difference between him and Piandao is it 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 made me like go <gasps> Because because you, when you're watching the show, the kids interact with other kids, they're all pretty much the same height. Right. You know, and, and Iroh, who's the adult that's around the most, he's pretty short. So you forget sometimes how young they are. And then you see a scene like that and you see the height difference between a regular adult and a 15, 16-year-old kid. And you are reminded, oh, shit. These are all kids. Mm. Sokka's still a kid. Like he, like there's such a difference in height, and it just like really reminds you of of who is supposed to save the world. Right. You know. So I just wanted to bring that up because that was really interesting to me. Hmm. Um, That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I just want to say, putting it out there, distinguished gay Piandao with his little T and. <laughs> You think so? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the fandom does, but you know, that's what I thought. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> um and something that I love is is so Sokka basically he finishes his training. I assume he's there for like a couple of days, right? It seemed like two days. Yeah, honestly, it wasn't a long time. Yeah, two or three. And um that's a lot of improvement, very fast. Mm-hmm. And he basically is told that like he he doesn't have the skills yet of a master sword bet like sword bender sword <laughs> um a new bending element yeah, sword bending yeah <laughs> but 
throughout all of the tasks, he showed that he is creative, he is resourceful, he is clever and hardworking, and so he, Piondao is like, okay, we're going to make a sword together. And Sokka's like, hey, can I just like go out and get some metal and bring it back? And he's like, yeah, sure. And he's like, I'm going to have a space sword. Yep. <laughs> Which is so crazy. Like, but that old, but that's, that's Sokka. That's the kind of person he is thinking outside the box, you know? Mm-hmm. Why have plain old regular metal when you can have like meteorite space metal? Only Sokka. Yeah. And, um, and see, and like he just casually has this space sword now. Yep. But he makes the sword and it's beautiful and he's able to fight uh, Piandao really well. He uses his agility. He He's very clever in the way that he uses the terrain. So he really has showed that he was paying attention and that he cares about what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And it's so wonderful to watch. And, you know, all of his friends are so proud of him. And um, <laughs> and then Piandao is like, yeah, I know you're from the Southern Water Tribe. <laughs> and they're like, how did you know? Saka, the giveaway. Yeah. Try Lee. <laughs> it's a bunch of Lee. Yeah. <laughs> As if as if Sokka isn't very clearly a water tribe name, and as if Sokka is not several shades darker in skin tone than everybody else in the Fire Nation. Mm. <laughs> like, you know. Right. Um, but because Pandao is part of the White Lotus Society, he's okay with it, and he embraces that, and he gives Sokka a little pie show tile mm-hmm. uh, when he leaves. As, like, foreshadowing. I <laughs> Yeah. Um, I re- yeah, I really like this episode. It's so any episode that like takes time to, you know, give a little bit more attention to a character. Mm-hmm. Like I always like it. Like yeah. with the painted lady, we got a little bit more attention on Katara. Yeah. Now this one is the Saka. Is the Saka episode? Yeah. It's, it's always it's always nice to see the growth of the gang. Yeah. And then and then meanwhile, Iroh's just getting buff. Just getting jacked, yeah. dude. <laughs> Man, when he took off every- And the pillow falls away, I was like, okay. He is not. Okay, Iroh. No. And they, they like to call him a fat, lazy. No. Yeah. Like, like you said, play it dumb, act aloof until it benefits you not to. Yeah. Oh, man. So funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else for this episode? Uh, Just a little moment. Of Toph blushing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She has a bit of a crush on Sokka, which who can blame her? You know, yeah. he's he's a good guy and he's cute. Um, one thing I will say, though, is I, I like that they never really explore that, mm. you know, because she's she's 12. She has her whole life ahead of her. But I will also say that when eventually Suki comes back, something that I do really like is I like that there's no jealousy. Mm. Like Toph never has a moment where she's like, uh, Suki or like, Neh. you know, she never feels that way about her and Sokka. So I, I like that because there could have been a moment right. of that, but there really isn't. And I appreciate that. Like the common cliche. Yeah. 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 All right. So I guess on to the next episode. The beach. The beach. The first time I saw this, when I was like watching it in that binge, I was like, oh my God, are they really going to do a beach episode? Oh my <laughs> God, they're really doing a beach episode. 
Is that a, like a common trope? Like the yeah. shows have a... Yeah, yeah in anime specifically, mm. most animes will have a beach episode where the characters go to the beach. And usually it's like a filler episode. There's no point to it. Usually it's just to be like, ooh, look at everyone in their swimsuits. But yeah, it's a really common thing for animes to have a beach episode. So the fact that Avatar did that, I think, is a nice kind of homage to, you know, the style. Mm. <laughs> So they go to Ember Island, which is um, an island in the Fire Nation. It's like a beach community, a beach resort. Um, Zuko is peak emo teen right now. He is just. Uh, but it's him. It's Zuko, May, Tylee, and Azula. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're just like being basically they're being like sent on a vacation because uh, Ozai is like, get out of my sight. I got to do stuff. Right. <laughs> and. They get to the little house they're staying in. I assume it's like Lee and Lowe's house. And everyone's like, ew, this place is gross. And Ty Lee's like, no, I like it. I'm with Ty Lee. I like old lady houses. Yeah. They smell weird, but there's always cool stuff there. <laughs> they, uh, the painting of, of the twins when yeah. they were younger. Oh, man. Life will, life will age you. Yeah. <laughs> life will age you. Um, but yeah, Zuko's peak emo teen. He's so like, man, like father sent us away and this place sucks and I don't want to be here and everything is terrible. <laughs> like chill, Zuko, please. Even got like the hair, like just. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> it's in that weird growing out stage. Yeah. Um, something that I think is just funny is when they decide to go to the beach and Leah Lowe, like, take off their robes to show their swimsuits, May, like, puts her hand over Zuko's eye. She's like, I'm going to spare you this image. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, the, the other gang is, is sort of at a beach, too. Not at the same beach. They're not at Ember Island, but they're at a beach, too, and they're having fun. And I feel bad for Aang, because all he wanted to do was, like, go down a water slide. And now, because of his arrows... He, you know, gets spotted by the Fire Nation and, and the assassin is after him. Like, no. oh, I feel kind of bad. <laughs> like, I mean, the plot had to. Yeah, they had to somehow. do something. Yeah. But and, and it's within character because, you know, Aang is carefree. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he knows that he's supposed to be dead, but. That's not going to let him. That's not going to stop him. <laughs> yeah. And it was a water slide. I know. I can not go down the water slide. I know. Ugh. So, yeah, I, I feel a little bad for him because he was just trying to relax. But unfortunately, he was spotted. Mm. Um, and then so the all the so the kids, so the teens, the youth go to the beach. And I feel like Ty Lee is very aware of, of what she's doing. Like Ty Lee is also someone who I think plays dumb, but she she knows exactly what's going on. Mm. Like, I don't think she's she doesn't realize that all these boys are fawning over her. Because, like, she makes the guy stand in front of the sun so she can get shade. Like, she very clearly is like, oh, all these boys want me for my body? Fine, I'm going to use them. Good for you, Tylee. <laughs> See, when I was younger, I didn't think... I never looked at I never looked at the body. Mm-hmm. I always looked at the face. Okay. So I'm just thinking, like, she's pretty. She so, is pretty. I mean, you know. I'm not saying she isn't. No, but, like, obviously today with uh, an adult mind... Yeah. Now it's just like, oh, yeah, the body. Yeah. But. I mean, you know, <laughs> I remember watching the episode and I was like, I didn't look like that at 15. Hmm. <laughs> like Azula, too. I was like, hmm. But everybody is different and every body is different. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, not to get into it, but it's kind of scary how fast teenagers today are developing. Like there are dudes. I didn't 
this little your piece little of hair, beard, your yeah. little chin beard, yeah. whatever you could call it. Yeah. This little thing, goatee. I didn't get it until fucking twenty three. <laughs> there are dudes who are fourteen, fifteen, full beards. I'm I like, know. how? How? I I didn't. I couldn't. I. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, but sometimes I feel a little bad because there there's a certain sort of scrutiny that comes to you when you age very quickly as a younger kid yeah um especially for girls but i feel like teenagers nowadays they don't have an ugly phase yeah like you know like when i was a teenager i was ugly well i wasn't ugly i mean i was always like cute but awkward phase yeah like i when i like from like 12 to like 15 it was just no it was just no and then i had to learn kind of how to be more attractive mm-hmm. you know and so they don't they don't they don't go through that ugly phase and that's not fair that's not fair <laughs> i have to be ugly and so do you right. you're gonna do that you're gonna be the um okay boomer is that's what it sounds like like we had to walk 15 <laughs> miles to get to school <laughs> <laughs> i know i i realize that it sounds a little bit like that but like I think they're like I'm joking, but I also mm-hmm. think that there's a real danger there. No, yeah, but, uh, yeah. I mean, is. that's that's a conversation for for another day. Yeah. Um, you know. But yeah, I think I think that Ty Lee is very aware of how people perceive her, and I think she uses that to her advantage. She even mentions it. Well, not fully, but she says it to Azula. You know, you want a guy to like you, just laugh at anything that they say, even if it's not funny. Yeah, but... which is, oh, that's truth right there. Let me tell you. <laughs> Um, but also something that's really interesting about this episode is you start to see a little bit of jealousy in Azula. Mm-hmm. I think that she, for the first time, I think she's aware that like people like not her. They like people that aren't Azula. And there's nothing that she can do to change their mind, you know. Um, and I don't think she's ever really had to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting. Um and so Zuko and May are sitting under a blanket and he gives her a seashell um, because Iroh said once that getting a seashell would be nice. And so I guess Zuko is like, Iroh said this is a good gift, so I'm going to give it to May. Um, <laughs> and she's like, why would I want that? Like, don't girls like this? She's like, yeah, maybe dumb one. Yeah. And then like Ty Lee Ty likes Lee it. Likes it. <laughs> but I think in all honesty, I don't I'm not mad at May for saying that because Yes, Zuko gave her a gift, but where was the intent? Mm. I mean, what's the point of getting a gift if the person giving it to you doesn't like care about what it is? Right. Like if I want to, if I get a gift, I want it to be because the other person saw it and said, "Oh, Brielle will like this," you know? Yeah. But just a gift for gift's sake, what's the point of that? Like, right. there's you know, but he's trying. You know, I just think that like this episode really shows us that like. Zuko and May don't know each other. You know, when he was banished, they were like 13. Maybe they had started dating, but maybe they hadn't. But they were still so young. They are completely different people. Zuko especially. So I feel like for Zuko and May, bless you. I feel like for Zuko and May, they're dating. And while they're dating, they're also rediscovering each other mm-hmm. you know they're learning who the other person is and so zuko is learning that he can't just do these you know expected milestones with may he has to actually have intent behind it right you know and then may later learns that she has to be more open with her emotions with zuko but she, we'll get to that later mm. um 
And then, so something that I just want to bring up is like Zuko like takes off his robe and like the birds fly and there's like a shine of light and all these girls are like, <sighs> that was so random. Like yeah. I, I would have thought that would have probably came back. Yeah. Because like they did the whole jealousy thing with yeah. Zuko and May. So I thought maybe girls would be going to Zuko, but no. Oh, yeah. Like, it was just so random. Yeah, it was really random. But also, maybe it's like the Jewish mother in me. But he did that and I went, oh, he's so thin. <laughs> Oh, he's so thin. Somebody get him some food. He looks emaciated. Zuko, no. Like, I don't think he looked like mm. a try. I was like, oh, no, we need to get some meat on those bones, right. honey. No. Especially when you contrast him with, like, Sokka, who's the same age in the previous episode where, like, he's, like, sword fighting and he you can see that his, like, chest and his back. Like, Sokka is thin, but he's not, like, skinny, mm -hmm. you know? I feel like Zuko is, like, skinny. Oh, we need to feed him. Nah, come on. We love a skinny legend. <laughs> Let him be. <laughs> All my skinny legends out there. <laughs> I I'm with you. Um, Yeah, so they're on the beach and then Azula sees some people playing beach volleyball. And she's like, oh, we want to play. And she sees and, and we're really shown that she sees everything like a battle. Mm -hmm. Like this is not a friendly game of beach volleyball. This is a competition and she is going to win. Yep. And the funny thing is that everybody else just goes with it. Like none of them are like Azula maybe chill. They're like, "Yeah, yeah, we're going to beat them." Like they have the same mindset, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. That you know, this whole episode kind of shows us that all of them, Tylee and May included, they don't know how to be teenagers. They don't know how to be kids because of the way they were raised. And I think that's like, you know, sad in a way, but also just like really interesting. I mean, they're not normal teenagers. Like, no, they they're not. Fought, <laughs> they fought the Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're not normal teenagers. Yeah. But I love how Azula's just like, see that one girl? Like, and she points her out specifically because I guess she was the, the strongest player on, yeah. on that team. She's like, when she goes up to the net, there's a slight hesitation on her left foot. Probably a, a childhood injury that made her weak. We can, we can capitalize on it. I was like, God damn. Yeah, she sees it like a battle to yeah. be won. All of them do. And they completely decimate the other team. She's like, you will never rise from the ashes of your defeat. And there's like fire on the net. And then she's like, like well, we, that was fun. Yeah. Like, listen, it's iconic. We love that. Mm -hmm. It's like a great line. Um, and then the chat's rolled in. Yeah. Oh God. Like one of them's name is Chan. Like he's supposed to be a Chad. Like I think that's so funny. And um, and they invite Ty Lee and May to the party. Mm -hmm. Not Zuko and not Azula. And like I said, I think this is kind of the first time that Azula realizes that sometimes people don't like you, and there's nothing you can do to change that. Yeah. And and. There are people who exist in this world that do not know who you are, do not care who you are, and don't fear you. And that must be a real kind of, you know, reality check to her. Because her whole life, people have bowed to her and supported her and feared her. And so the fact that they don't care about her and they're not interested in her is probably a real blow to her ego. She seemed very curious about it. Yeah. It's like... I was, I don't quite agree that it was a blow to her ego because she could have easily just been like, hey, hey, I'm Princess Azula and this is Prince Zuko. So get your, get your life together. Yeah. But no, 
she even Zuko asks, why didn't you tell them who we are? She she seemed curious. She just mm-hmm. wants to know what does it feel like if people don't know who I am. Mm. Okay, yeah, you know, yeah. Like I just, I like she's she just like maybe she's trying to explore the normalcy of being a teenager because she has never had that. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. That that's a good point. Yeah, she said like she's used to people worshiping her to the point where uh, Tylee says. As they should be. And um, her answer is like, oh, yeah, you're right. They should be. But yeah, <laughs> I just, uh, yeah. Um, and that, that's, that stood out to me a lot. Just her being curious of that side. Because when they went to Bossing Say, you know, people didn't know who they were. Yeah. But she was undercover. So it was like, that was a mission for her. Yeah. But this is your home nation. People should know who you are. Yeah, I don't know. Why don't they know who she is? It's a little weird. Yeah. I, I mean, granted, there isn't like TV where people would see her face all the time. But like, she's the crown princess. I feel like everyone should know who she is. But then again, those guys are idiots. So right. <laughs> for me, I feel like she sees it as a task. Like, OK, so they don't know who I am. So let me see if. I can maneuver if I, if I can navigate through this yeah. being not Princess Azula, but just a regular person and see if I can conquer this. Yeah. You like know? she looks to manipulate it as mm. with everything in her life. Yeah. Oh, that's that's kind of sad. Yeah. Also, in that scene where they're where her and Tylee are talking, I kind of like that Zuko and May are just like leaning up against each other. Yeah, that, that was a cute. Because even when because even when they're kind of in a weird fight they're still they still care about each other yeah they're they're every high school couple that you ever knew <laughs> you know? oh boy yep yeah yeah um and so the the gang goes to a party mm-hmm. and they arrive precisely on schedule very punctual the perfect party guests <laughs> dusk to dawn yeah it is dusk yeah but that's that's what i mean like you would think that as that tylee or may would understand how a party works because they weren't like royalty. But then again, at the same time, they may is nobility and Tylee. I, I don't know if Tylee is nobility, but she's in that world too. So all of them are so clueless and it's, mm. it's very funny. <laughs> um, so they're at the party and Tylee is literally getting like hit on by every guy. <laughs> and, you know, you can tell that it's making her a little uncomfortable, you know, <laughs> But she goes up to Azula and Azula's like, they don't actually like you. You're a tease. And it's like, oh, jealous much, Azula? (laughs) But Tylee, even faced with that, Tylee still shows so much compassion to Azula. And she offers to help her. And I think she also sweetens the pot by going, but you're the prettiest, most wonderful girl in the Fire Nation. You know, I just, all these things that Tylee does that I think she does to protect herself. Mm. Um, and she basically, like you said, tells Azula, just like smile and laugh at everything they say, even if it's not funny. And Azula does. She goes out onto the balcony with Chan and she laughs at his jokes when they're not funny. And, you know, he, he kisses her and, you know, which is sweet. I, maybe it's her first kiss. I don't know. And then she replies, we will be the greatest couple in the Fire Nation. We will destroy everyone. <laughs> like, we will rule them all. And he's like, bye. Yeah. She went a little intense there. Yeah. But like, listen, Azula, we've all been there. Mm. We've all, you know, gotten a little too invested in a relationship and got a little crazy. Like, I understand. <laughs> and on the flip side of that, we have... um. 
May and Zuko. Yeah. That, oh man. The line where Zuko was just like, oh, that guy thinks he's so cool. May doesn't say anything. It's like, well, what do you think? It may just like, I don't have an opinion on him. I don't know why that hit home for me. It's like, it's, it's just one-on-one male insecurity. Because mm-hmm. it's like, we're thinking this shit. We're thinking, oh, because we see him as a cool guy. Our girl must think that he's a cool guy, too. Yeah. And May's just like, I don't have an opinion on him. Like, I don't, who is he? Yeah. But we're just in our heads like, no, you like him. Oh, blah, blah. And then this is where all, the, all that shit happens. Yeah. And again, it's, it's, it's kind of that Zuko and May don't know how to act around each other because yeah. they're still figuring out who the other person is. Because, you know, Zuko has a lot of insecurities. And May doesn't know how to, like, temper those, you know. And, you know, if they, if they continue to date, she'll learn, I think, eventually. And, and, but, yeah, and that is what kind of leads to their fight, that he keeps jumping to all these conclusions, like, oh, that guy needs to be punched and, and get away from my girlfriend. And she won't give him anything other to go off of. Yeah. Like, she won't give him another emotion to latch on to. You know, and they fight, and she says, we're over, and he storms out. <laughs> Boom. They're broken break. up. <laughs> <laughs> the way he just, he didn't even push the kid. He just said, ah, like, yeah. be gone. <laughs> yeah. And he went flying. Yeah. <laughs> that was something. Um, oh, something else that I want to say, because um, when Azula is talking to Ty Lee and basically is like, you're a tease and those boys don't really like you. And Ty Lee starts crying. I say crying. I don't know if she was really crying. Mm-hmm. And Azula is like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't mean it. Like, please help me. It feels very out of character for her. But I think, like you were saying, this whole situation is very weird for her. And I think she's realizing she doesn't have any friends. Like, mm. all she has is Ty Lee and May and Zuko. And I think she she realizes that, oh... I probably shouldn't have said that to Ty Lee because now she's crying and now she won't help me, especially because Ty Lee's always shown her such kindness before. So I feel like even though it might seem out of character for Azula to be like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. Please help me. At the same time, it's not because I think so much of the third season for Azula is her realizing that her way of life is not sustainable Mm. and that her way of life and her way of existing has only been a detriment to her. Because she doesn't really have any friends. You know, she doesn't trust Azula. And uh, she doesn't trust Azula. She doesn't trust Ty Lee or May or really Zuko. And look where it's got her. She's alone at a party and she doesn't know what to do. Right. You know? And I used to think because when they were saying that Amber Island, you know, reveals your truth. And And it smooths you out. Smooths you out. I used to think that it didn't affect Azula. Because Mm -hmm. she was still the same person onto the island, off the island. But watching this again, after what you just mentioned, I did, I, I think that Amber Island did change her just, just a little. Like it showed the vulnerabilities you just mentioned. Yeah. I think, you know? I don't know if it smoothed her out, but I think it's starting to, I think it chipped away at her. Yes. You know. Um, but, you know, I, I feel a little bad for Azula because as a fellow woman who has been told that I am intimidating to men, yeah. Um, <laughs> I understand. You got to weed them out. You got to mm. weed them out. You know, if a guy can't handle your strong personality, you don't need him. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but but so Zuko storms out. He hits at May's soft spot. I think he really does when he storms out by saying that like you don't have any passion, you don't care, like you're just blah. I think that really hit her hit her hit her hard. Mm. And so he goes to the the house, their old house. He goes starts having flashbacks of the vacation. It seemed like they only had like one vacation there. I mean, I'm sure they had like one or two, but yeah, it doesn't seem like a lot right. before things got bad. He sees all, he sees the painting, he sees everything. And it's interesting that Azula knew exactly where to find him. Mm-hmm. Like she knew that he was going to be there. Yeah. Um, and she even mentions like, and another thing that's like kind of a little out of character for her, is she, she, she urges Zuko to like, let's get out of here. Like this, this place is depressing. Yeah. I wouldn't imagine Azula to say something like that, you know? Yeah. It's like... I would imagine her to say something more along the lines of, well, stay here and wallow in pity if you want. I'm a head over here. But she's like, nah, come on, let's get out of here. Yeah. This is depressing. Yeah. I think this episode, she's realizing that this is all she has. Yeah. And then I think that makes it even more devastating later on when like she gets betrayed and, you know, her father kind of abandons her and stuff. We'll get to that. But, you know. So. Oh, also, I just want to say those flashbacks, those are with Iroh. Wait, what? So the flashbacks of the kids on the beach, mm-hmm. I don't think those are flashbacks with his father. I don't think those are flashbacks with his father. Those are flashbacks with with Iroh and Luten. Because when he's like chasing, when the guy's chasing, the two, those are two boys. And when the baby being held up, number one, that's Iroh. It's very clearly Iroh holding that baby. And it's the other person is a little boy. I think Zuko, until he looks at the painting and sees his father and sees that, the hand, I think all of the memories are with Iroh and Luten. Mm. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Because I, mean, I was think watching this, I was thinking, like, this doesn't make any sense because we, Ozai was never a good person. Yeah. Like, when, when his kids were young, when his kids, he was never a good person. So I'm watching this, I'm just thinking... Like why, you know this 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 is like doesn't make sense. Yeah, but oh, it's Iroh and Luten in those flashbacks. Holy yeah. shit! Until it gets to him looking at the photo and you see the flashback of the man's hand on his shoulder. That's his father. That's Ozai. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh I need, okay. I need to watch this again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They go down to the beach mm. and Zuko sees May and Tylee and Azula. And he asks May if she's cold and she like brushes him off. And then <laughs> Tylee says, I'm freezing. And the first thing that popped into my head was, damn, Tylee, I can't control the weather. <laughs> Why? It's from that 70s show. Oh, okay. <laughs> In one of the episodes of that 70s show, um, uh, Eric and Donna are basically competing against Kelso and Jackie, who's the best couple. Mm-hmm. And... Donna says like oh Eric I'm really cold and in order to show them up Eric gives her his jacket and Jackie goes oh Kelso I'm cold too and he goes well damn Jackie I can't control the weather so I immediately (laughs) thought of that when he said that oh man that's funny (laughs) but Zuko's so nice he makes her a fire um, with all of the relics from their house and just burns it yep public destruction that that helps um and oh okay so like okay so now we're gonna get into it so 
Zuko basically is like, no one understands me. Super emo teen. And Ty Lee goes, I know you. And he's like, no, you don't. And she goes, I know you. Mm-hmm. Ty Lee is the fucking smartest person in this show. She is so perceptive and so clever. And I think that her whole like ditzy, dumb thing, I don't think it's like a full act. I think she definitely like believes in auras and things like that. But she lays it on because she knows that that's how she protects herself. And that's how she learns about other people. And that's how people underestimate her. Mm -hmm. But I think she is so watchful and so careful. And she's right. She does know Zuko. She knows him. She knows May. She knows Azula. She can read them all like a book because she's been there the entire time saying, yes, Azula, you're so great, Azula. Like, oh, she's so brilliant. I love Ty Lee. Mm -hmm. This episode is what made me kind of like her as a character because before this, I kind of found her a little annoying and I kind of was like, eh, you know, she doesn't really do much. She's just there to like fawn over Azula. But this episode kind of showed me that she... She's not dumb, you know, and I love that. Oh, it's so, oh, what a brilliant line, you know, because the thing is, she was there the whole time throughout their childhood. She was there. She saw the abuse. She saw the competition. She saw the anger and the fear, you know, and so basically it's therapy, Ember Island style. Yeah. And they all kind of air out their grievances. Ty Lee says that the reason that she left to join the circus was because she has six other sisters and she felt like she wasn't her own person and she needed to get away and be herself. And, you know, that's why she is the way she is. And May is like, yeah, but you also are an attention seeker because you had to compete with your sisters for the attention, which fair, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, Zuko shoots back at May. Yeah, well, you don't show any emotion. You're passionless. You know, why don't you do anything? And then May, basically, she doesn't have anyone tell her, but basically tells them that she grew up being told to, like, stand still, look pretty, don't say anything. You know, your father has his, like, career that we have to think of. You have to behave the right way. And so May kind of instead. So like there are two ways she could have gone outward like Mm. Ty Lee and acted out and joined the circus. But instead she chose to go inward and she closed herself off, you know, which is both both options are, you know, have their own issues and stuff. And um, and the thing that. Is is really interesting that I think a lot of people don't realize. May is tough. Hmm. May and Toph have the same life. Both of them yeah. were raised in a very restrictive environment that told them to behave a very specific way. And Toph chose to act out. She went to the Earth Rumble. She left with the Avatar. And May chose to fold inward. And so it bothers me sometimes when people don't like May as a character because of the way she chose to cope with that type of like, like pressure. Mm-hmm. Because she's the same as Toph. She just chose Route B instead of Route A. Right. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of really, there's a lot of good in her, just like there is in Toph. She just has to work differently to get at it, you know? Yeah, Toph had an outlet. Yeah, exactly. May doesn't have that outlet yet. And I think she gets it because at the end of the series, she's friends with everybody. Right. They obviously wouldn't be friends with her if she wasn't a good person. Um. But yeah, she, 
she hasn't gotten to that point yet in her journey. Like Toph's already there, but May hasn't gotten there yet. I never looked at it that way. Yeah. They both were raised in under very, very restrictive circumstances, told to act a certain way, to behave a certain way. And May chose to listen yeah. and basically close herself off. And so Zuko basically says that he's angry and he's just angry all the time. And all the other kids are like, well, what are you angry about? Who are you angry at? Who are you angry at, Zuko? And he's angry at himself. Mm-hmm. And he like shoots the fire up and um, like, chill, Zuko. <laughs> but he's angry at himself because he he knows he made the wrong choice. Right. You know, and he's dealing with that. But he can't tell anyone that he knows he made the wrong choice. You know, um, there's a moment where Zula like gives a half smile when... Um, Zuko mentions that like he maybe the avatar may not be you know exactly (laughs) dead Um, you know which I she already knows but I think that was a moment where she's like oh he's breaking Um, but yeah he's just angry at himself and angry at the situation and he's unhappy because everything that he ever wanted isn't turning out like he wanted it to and you know there's a lot of conflicting emotions in him yeah you know and um, and May sees that, and this is I think this is where May turns around. She's just like, she this is where like she shows some emotions. It's like, well, I care about you, yeah, and everything, and just like that, they're back together. I know. <laughs> I love I love Zuko and May. I think they're a great pairing. I really do. Um, and then everyone looks at Zula, and Zula's just like, ha, can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> and Zuko's just like, yeah, because you're so perfect. And no one, no one says anything to Azula. She's the one that brings up. It's like, well, yeah, I am perfect. You know, I mean, if there was one thing that I could vent about, it would be the fact that my own mother thought I was a monster. She was right, but, you know, still hurt. Yeah. And she just kind of brushes it off. Yeah. (laughs) It's very funny because it's a joke, but it's also not a joke. It's not a joke. Because like I, so I have a lot of sympathy for Ursa, um, but I, she wasn't a good mom. No. I mean, I think there were a lot of reasons why she wasn't a good mom. It wasn't like she looked at Azula and went, ew. Like, there were a lot of things that prevented her from being a good parent. But I, she wasn't a good mother to yeah. Azula. She she did reprimand her a lot. And, and she didn't show her a lot of positive affection. And she did favor Zuko. And, you know, little kids notice that. Mm-hmm. Little kids notice when things aren't equal. And so I think that... You know, when you get older, when you're when you're an adult, you can look back on your childhood and say, oh, the reason that my mother treated me this way was because of X, Y, Z. And I see that now. It wasn't that she hated me. But Azula is still a child. And what's more is she's a very deeply like abused child. And so she doesn't have that kind of wisdom and and like hindsight to look and see that her mother did love her. There was just a lot of things that her mother couldn't do. And her mother was a human. She was flawed. Right. Um, but yeah, so I think it's definitely a joke because I feel like Azula doesn't really care. But at the same time, I think she very much cares that Ursa did not love her in the same way that she loved Zuko. And, you know, those wounds did not heal well. Yeah. You know. And we see that play out. <sighs> yes, exactly. The finale. Um, yeah. And then after that, they, uh, after that little therapy session. Yeah. They go back to the party 
They trash the house. They trash everything. <laughs> and they, everyone's smiling while everything was burning in flames. Yeah. So that ends their story. Yeah. I, I just love the the shot of like, it's just Ty Lee just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Friends forever. <laughs> Public destruction. Now, to the part where I believe is the most epic part of the entire series. Mm-hmm. Like this, this tops um, the fight with Ozai. This tops the 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 North Pole with the with the spirit. Mm-hmm. This tops everything. When we see we see our gang, we see Team Avatar. Mm-hmm. They're sleeping. Yes. Toph gets up. She's like, "Hey, uh, there's a metal guy that's about to get us. Yeah. I don't know if I'm freak um." And two things. Mm-hmm. One, Toph is cuddling with Momo, and that's really adorable. <gasps> Is she? Yeah, she's like sleeping next to Momo. It's really cute. Why did I notice that? And two, Sokka with his hair down. Ooh, fine AF. Oh, Sokka with his hair down. Very cute. Nah, yeah. I, I will give you that because I yeah. was thinking the same thing. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Very cute. Anyway, continue. Very manly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, oh my God, this, everything about this moment is so good. It gives me chills every time I watch it. When, when Toph alerts everyone and everyone is like a little dazed and confused. The reflection, the light shining off his armor into Aang's eyes yeah. as Toph is saying that is like, wait, a metal guy, and then a light is in Aang's eyes, and they're looking up. I just, oh, and it's just everything about it's so amazing. If we see Combustion Man, he's just standing there looking at them. I, I love how we, we cut to Katara and Sokka. Like, they're, they're both just in sync, getting ready. Like, Sokka goes for his sword, like, being, looking all manly, the hand <laughs> down. Katara's like, was about to happen and Aang's eyes widen as Combustion Man breathes in and boom, 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 boom. And what I really love about this is the fact there's no music during this part. Yeah. No music. Yeah. You just hear the sand moving. You, you hear them bending. Holy shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, this sh- this part gets me so excited because yeah. it's just so, the sound design is so amazing, man. We 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 hear we hear Toph sliding like um like uh taking the impact and then she bends the rocks back up. Mm-hmm. Combustion Man reflects that how um how Katara she like runs to the side a little and like shoots up yeah he he blocks that and then the music comes in ooh dun dun dun, dun. holy shit man everything's just oh and then and then we go back uh Sokka's just like how he's supposed to be the guy that like blows things up with his mind and Aang's like we can't get off I'm gonna distract him. And uh, that yeah. little back and forth between when they're oh. on those like columns those oh, stone columns it's God. it's really an expertly animated fight sequence. Yes. It's so cool to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Because you start to see, like, Aang, like, he uses the Rockman thing that Toph taught him. Like, it. oh, man, it's so cool. Best, uh, the most epic scene out of the entire series. It's really, really cool. I feel cool. like it's not talked about enough. Yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, Combustion Man or Sparky Sparky Boom Man. Sparky Sparky Boom Man. I feel like he gets kind of forgotten because the show kind of forgets him. Mm. Like he's only in like three or four episodes. We know nothing about him. And then he's gone. And it's like, okay, like he's a cool character. I would have liked to learn more about him. Like, why can he just like shoot fire out of his head? Basically, like, how is he able to do that? You're not going to tell me. Uh, Okay, that's a choice. Okay, it's just another form of bending. Yeah, I guess. Um. Don't they don't they talk about it in Korra? There's there's another character like yeah. that. Yeah. I don't know. It just like it, it that was something that bothered me that mm. they just kind of introduced him and then said bye and it was like, well then what was the point? 
You he showed me talk. this cool person yeah. and you're not even going to explain anything. Okay, yeah. bye. Like, I get it. But yeah, that is an amazing fight scene. And just when Aang takes the impact, uses it to shoot himself up. Yeah. And then Abba catches him. Yeah. Oh, wait, yeah. Yeah, Abba catches him. And I just, I just love, I just love how like Katara is just like squeezing Aang. Mm. It's like, oh my God. And Aang is just like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. Oh my God. And Toph is just like, that was random. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like just, just to lighten the mood a yeah. little. She's like, well, that was random. Yeah. Oh my God. It's a good episode. Yes. It's a really yeah. interesting episode. We learn a lot. And speaking of learning a lot. Yeah. Episode six, the Avatar and the Fire Lord. Yes. Fire Lord and the Avatar. Um, so when I first watched this episode the first time, I I came into it feeling and, and thinking I was so slick because mm. I was like, I know what they're going to do. They're going to like, oh, Roku and Sozin were friends. Well, duh. Like mm. that makes total sense. That's a great story you know device to use like uh, i thought i was so slick i knew what they were gonna do <laughs> i knew how they were gonna connect ang and, and uh, Z- Z- uh zuko like i was uh, and then <laughs> they just uh they really turned it around on me anyway mm-hmm. so ang is is meditating and he's speaking to um roku and roku says you have to go to my island and i'll be able to kind of show you about my past because you have to understand my past to be able to stop the fire lord mm. and uh, they go to the island it's basically pompeii um yeah. like the whole village is like under ash and, and rock and ang sits on a cliff and the coloring is so beautiful when he's sitting on that cliff like the sky is like pink purple blue a little bit of orange oh beautiful when he like goes into the meditation mm-hmm um meanwhile zuko gets a like letter in the middle of the night and it basically tells him that he needs to know the history of his great-grandfather and he asks azula and azula basically tells him like oh sozin was this great fire lord and he helped start the war and then he died peacefully in his sleep he was very old and zuko's like there's got to be more to it than that and he realizes that the the parchment that he has is like, if you hold it in front of the light, it like shows a different message, which is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so he um, he's told basically to go down into like the catacombs to learn the real truth. Um, and so he follows the fire sages and he goes into the dragon bone catacombs, which like creepy and there are dragon skulls on the wall and then you later find out in another episode that like all of the dragons were killed well that's where they are yeah. <laughs> um also how did iroh get that note to him like how did he how did he do that also how did he get it to be the magic with the fire like how did he do that he's in prison i would imagine either i highly doubt he found a way to escape maybe maybe, maybe some white lotus members in the Fire Nation, because like we we see on the day of Black Sun that there is a guard that likes him. Yeah, so maybe, oh, maybe. there are like other guards that are fond of him. Yeah, they gave him some parchment. They said, "Have fun," you know. Mm. Um. So so basically, Ang and Zuko are getting these parallel stories about Sozin and Roku when they were children, because they grew up in the Fire Nation together and they were best friends, and they cared a lot about each other. Uh, something I love is when Roku sees the girl that he has a crush on and then he just flops onto the grass. So it just starts like <laughs> dropping grass on him, which is what friends do. They right. just bother you. 
Roku is told that he's the Avatar and his life changes. And that's got to be kind of weird to like live your whole life one day, one way, and then the next day you're the Avatar. <laughs> like you're the most powerful person in the world. Right. And, you know, you have to leave your home and go to all these places and learn. Um, you know, we don't ever really think about that because Aang was so young when he learned about being the Avatar that he was able to kind of mull it over more. But being like 16 or 17, being almost an adult and hearing that your life is completely different, that's got to be a rough transition. So basically, Roku goes off to train and um, he, you know, learns from all the different masters. He meets uh, Monkey Yatso. Mm because um, friendship can transcend lifetimes which is a very very sweet uh message and idea and um so he learns airbending he learns waterbending and then he learns earthbending and <laughs> it's so crazy because like it took him 12 years mm -hmm. to master all of those things and ang had to learn it all in like maybe a year mm -hmm. nine months to a year and ang is so good like <laughs> you, oh man like Aang does not get a break. No, he doesn't. Like, the things that we as the society are asking of him is insane when you think about all the other avatars and the amount of time that they had. Even if those other avatars were facing a, a crisis, all of them had time to learn their elements. And Aang has, like, a year. And that's crazy that he does it. And he does it so well. Like, you know. Um... Also, I did not need to know that the spirit world doesn't have bathrooms. I didn't need to know that. Yeah, did he shit his pants? I think it's implied. Hmm. I, I didn't need to know that. So I'm, I'm just thinking, so once he gets back, does he have to, like, clean? I guess so. Because everyone's holding hands at the end. I'm just like, did, um... <laughs> I guess maybe he, like, took a quick, like, bath or shower or whatever. Maybe. Because he was sitting there for a long time. I'm sure, like, just in general, he felt like he needed to take a bath. But, yeah, I didn't need to know that. Yeah. Brike, I didn't need to know that. I could have gone my whole life without knowing that. Thanks. I mean, it's a fun fact. Like even it's funny, but like I still didn't need to know. But when when uh, when Sokka first came out of the spirit world, he had to go to the he had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. So when Roku gets back, uh, he he gets married to the girl who she looks like Ang. She looks like Aang and she has gray eyes. Interesting. Is that that little theory that's going on? It's going on around right now saying that like your your future, your next life, you're going to have a similar face to the love of your life from your past Yeah, life. that's like a Japanese. It's like, I believe it's a Japanese uh, myth or like idea that your <laughs> face. What? No, I'm just thinking about the meme. Oh. Because people were saying. Because, you know, Korra and Asami. Yeah. It was like, yo, the next Avatar about to be beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The idea is that your face is the face of your past life's greatest love. Mm -hmm. You know, and when you look at all the Avatars, it's actually kind of true. Yeah. Like, um, Kyoshi's girlfriend, uh, Rangi, looks like Roku. Mm -hmm. Roku's wife looks like Aang. Katara looks like Korra. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's sweet. Yeah. But yeah, the next Avatar is going to be a beautiful. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, so, but Roku, but, uh, Sozin is, like, 
So the Fire Nation is peaceful and prosperous and wonderful. We should share this prosperity, which is a very interesting way to say colonize and go to war and completely take control of the other nations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just love how as they're walking and as Susan is talking, Roku stops walking because he, he can really see where this is going. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Susan's Susan's idea isn't inherently wrong. Saying that let's let's share the wealth. Yeah. That isn't wrong. Yeah. It's just the way he wants to go about it. Yeah. It's like you know. Well, because I don't think that he ever was doing it to share the wealth. Right. I don't think he was doing it on the on the pure basis of cultural exchange. He was doing it because he was like, the Fire Nation's really doing good right now. But you know what would be better? If we were bigger, if we had more. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think he just used the whole share prosperity thing as a... To make it sweeter. To make it sound sweeter, yeah. And um, so Roku basically tells him, you won't do that. And if I find out that you're doing that, it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, because because Sozin already has like colonies in, in the Earth Kingdom. Um, and, and this episode, I think, shows us that Roku's greatest folly is his inaction. Mm. His hesitance to actually do anything to stop the war before it started is what caused all this problem, is what's caused all this issue. Like, if he had just been like, you know what, Sozin was my friend, but he's gone too far, I have to stop this now, everything would be different, you know? Yeah. And and that's I think that's why he is so insistent to Aang that he face his destiny and do something because his his inaction is what caused everything. It's even hinted at the beginning of the season of book three mm-hmm. when Aang goes off and then he sees Yue and he sees Roku. Roku apologizes like this is my fault. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, it is. <laughs> now we see why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, after that point, him and Sozin don't talk to each other for decades, um, and they become old men. And Roku lives on an active volcano for some reason. Like, what did you expect, Roku? Yeah. Also, like, why does he, like, I, I guess I guess he doesn't want his house to be destroyed. But, like, everybody's off the island, Roku. You can leave. You don't have to fight the volcano. Yeah, I didn't understand that I don't that know either. why he does that. I guess he just really wants to keep his house. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, the, so when he's an old man, the, like, island that he's on erupts and... It becomes too much for him to handle. So Sozin comes by to basically help him. And uh, and, and Roku's like, please help me. And, and Sozin says no. And Sozin leaves him there to die. And, um, and he dies. And then we hear a baby cry and it's Aang. Yeah. Something also cool to note that Sozin has a blue dragon. When he goes mm. to rescue Roku, rescue Roku, he has a blue dragon. Roku has a red one. Um, but yes, yeah, Sozin basically abandons Roku to die, and um, be- because now once Roku's dead, Sozin goes forth with the invasion, and he starts invading the the Earth Kingdoms, and he completely destroys all the Airbenders. So it's it's interesting that they they note because before I used to think that he used the comment. To take over. But no, he used the comet to destroy the air nomads. Yeah. That's what he used the comet for. Not to um do what he did. Yeah. But specifically to 
destroy the air nomad. Yeah. And I think it's kind of poetic that Sozin spent the rest of his life, well, I mean, when he wasn't like pillaging, um, searching for Aang. And that's how Zuko starts his journey. Yeah. You know? Um, and just a quick note another voice acting legend, and I think just actor legend in general, mm-hmm. uh, Ron per- Perlman voices Sozin. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Such an amazing voice actor. Yeah, man. he's great. I love his voice. He always does a villain, though. But. <laughs> With a voice like that, I can't. Yeah, can't you know. Um, and basically, so Zuko's reading it, and he's like, "What? That's how it ends? Mm-hmm. Like, what? What's the point? I I already knew all of this." So he runs to Iroh, and he's like, "Why did you tell me to look up my great grandfather? He ended the story still alive. Like, why did you tell me to learn about his death?" And then Iroh says this thing. And I, when I watched it the first time, I screamed. <laughs> he said, you have two great-grandfathers, Zuko. Sozin is your father's grandfather. Roku is your mother's grandfather. Oh! Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, okay, okay, so we have to talk about this. Okay, so. Let me close my book. So, it would have been... It would have been fine. It would have been perfectly acceptable, good storytelling to just have Sozin and Roku be friends as the parallel to Zuko and Aang, right? Mm. You know, Zuko and Aang for the whole series have been on this parallel track where their lives intersect and connect. And, you know, from the beginning, you realize that these guys are going to have to meet somewhere and something's going to happen. So it would have been enough. It would have been enough to just have Roku and Sozin have been friends, right. you know? It would have been perfectly acceptable. It would have been perfectly good storytelling to have that be the connecting point for Zuko and Aang. But then they went one step further mm-hmm. by having Roku be related to Zuko. And in Zuko now, there is this conflicting energy of good and bad. And, and you know, it's just so brilliant that, like, not only is Zuko connected to Aang just by the virtue of Sozin and Roku being friends, but he's also connected to Aang because Roku is him, is related to him. And and there's this part inside of him that is capable of great power and goodness and peace. And so Zuko, as a character, has to come to terms with his own light and dark. And it's so brilliant it was like they took it one step further and it was perfect oh i just died i died when that happened it's so brilliant Mm -hmm. it's so brilliant because it explains all of his past actions of why he chose to do good instead of bad why in the crystal catacombs he was so conflicted like oh my god oh (laughs) oh it's so good yeah oh god um I'm happy that at least one of us, like, really enjoyed that moment. Because as a kid, I think that completely went over my head. Oh, okay. I didn't think I was actually paying attention. Like, I knew what was happening, but it didn't hit me as hard as it's hitting you right now. Yeah, well, you were a kid, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, but, oh, man, that is just, that is brilliant storytelling. Mm -hmm. That is such brilliant storytelling. Oh, my God. (laughs) Really good. I will say, though, the one thing that I don't like about it is... They never make any jokes about it. Like, especially later on when Aang finds out that Roku is Zuko's great-grandfather. There's no jokes. There's never any jokes about, like, Aang being, 
his grandfather. Like, come on, it writes itself. Like Zuko like yells at Egg, and the guitar goes, Hey, treat your grandfather with some respect. <laughs> He's not my grandfather. Ah, listen here, young whippersnapper. Like it writes itself, and there's no jokes, and it really makes me upset. Yeah. I mean he finds out in the comment in the in the comics. I thought they found it in the show show. Mm-mm. And oh. he doesn't find out until um yeah, until I think I think it's the first comment. Yeah. That, that was a out. missed opportunity though for it the was. show. That was a missed opportunity for Aang to make some jokes. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's just oh, what a great great thing that they did. That is so brilliant. Ah, mm. oh, love it. Oh, so good. Yes. Yeah, it really is because it took what could be a perfectly good story kind of arc or um plot device and made it so much better. Um, also something that I just want to say is you can tell it's not Mako. Yeah. Greg Baldwin, he has, um, yeah. And anything that he really does that any Mako work that he picked up after Mako's, um, passing, it sounds more Russian than yeah, Chinese. Yeah. In a weird way. <laughs> yeah. Cause when, when he, um, cause he also took over for Aku, who Mako voiced on Samurai Jack. Yeah. And yeah, it just sounds like a more Russian yeah. than Chinese or. Yeah. Know. I mean, it, it, it's got to be hard. It's got to be difficult because, yeah. you know, you're, you're filling these huge shoes and, you know, you want to do the character justice and you want to sound like the other person, but you don't want to try and like mimic them because that would be disingenuous. But like, oh, you know. Yeah, he does a good job. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, he does. I, I think that he carries Iroh through the end of the show very well. I'm mm. not saying he doesn't, but like. Oh, you know, I, I would tell you, though, what what was good, the, the advantage that they had back in the day being that, you know, it was TV and there was breaks in between. That's seasons. true. So when I, when I first heard I will speak, I didn't I didn't catch the difference. Because there was a break there between. A break. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. It, it, I think it's harder with the Netflix age because I could just watch one episode after the other. And it's like, this does he sound a little different? Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. The benefit of watching it, like, as it's premiering on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so Zuko learns that. And Aang learns the truth. He doesn't learn that Roku is related to Zuko, but he learns that. And so, you know, the gang is like, oh, well, that just proves that, like, some people are just, like, born evil. And and Aang's like, no, no, I think the point is that there's capacity for good in everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, like, the first like step in Aang's decision to do what he does at the end of the show and spoilers, uh, spare the fire Lord. Right. You know, I think that's the first kind of step in making that decision. Yeah. You know, definitely because Roku basically shows him that there is the capacity for good in everyone. And, um, Aang tries to do that with the fire Lord. He tries to give him a chance, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I really love though that Toph is like, do you guys think that friendship can transcend lifetimes? And they're like, of course, Toph. And they all hold hands, even Sokka. But it's true because Toph ends up being friends with Korra. Right. They do transcend lifetimes, you know? Yeah. And I think that's so sweet. You know, and I think there's, yeah, I just, I love that. I love, I love how much the show puts importance and emphasis on friendship. And, and the beauty and the love of your friends and how important that is. I really, really like that. It's, it's very sweet. And it's one of those few moments where we actually get like a nice, sweet, happy ending. Yeah. Nothing 
attached to it. No yeah. lingering threat. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, Zuko has to learn about his, like, like really go inside of himself and figure out who he wants to be. He has the headpiece now, and then Aang knows what he has to do, but he has his friends beside him, and that's the most important thing. Yep. Oh, it's so sweet. <laughs> I love it. It's great. It is. It's a good episode. It really is a good episode. Yeah. Yeah. All three of these. Yeah, they are really good episodes. Yeah. (sighs) Any other thing? Anything else before we go? No, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I I like this. Yeah, this was good. Yeah. For for those of you who don't know, I mean, how would you know? We we had a little like break where we couldn't film because of snow and and the weather and everything. So it's been a while. So it's good to come back. And these are the episodes that we come back to. Yes. You know? Some fun episodes, some like silly episodes, and some really meaningful, important episodes. Yep. Yeah. All right. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all of your support. You can find us anywhere you find your podcasts. We are also on YouTube. Please give a like, comment, or subscribe. <laughs> and we will see you all next week. All righty. All right. Bye. Take care.